0: This is Deion Dawkins, man. You're listening to The Scoop on owlscoop.com. You already know. Hi,
1: everybody. Welcome back to The Scoop, owlscoop.com's podcast. Season 7, episode 28. I'm John DiCarlo. We have a mostly full house today. Kyle Gauss, Dante Colinelli, Sam Cohn, Caden Steele, Javon Edmonds. Might hop on post five o'clock or closer to five o'clock. We'll see. Either way. What's going on, guys? How you doing?
2: Trying to hold in a sneeze. Yeah, I was but wondering I'm great. what
1: you were doing. I was wondering what you were doing. I, was, Sam. I, like you I were sniffing, thinking. Sniffing your hoodie. I was like, what is going on here? It's, I uh,
2: kept thinking you were gonna. Be, I kept thinking you were gonna be like Sam. How are you? And I was like, as I and I would sneeze right as you said that. But I'm good. You, happy did to Did you there.
3: learn how to cover your sneeze like that from the office? Pam has a scene where she says like, "Remember, if you do have to sneeze, do the Dracula sneeze." Like, do, <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like it seemed like a nine year old Sam being like, "Yeah." That's how I'm going to sneeze going. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nine-year-old, nine-year-old Sam with that voice.
3: Related to that, sort of. Uh, this is going to be the most random thing I think I've ever talked about. I had a moment when I was like 14 where in 8 Mile, Eminem flips off the camera by including his side finger. And up to and that point, as like a 12-year-old, I was doing like this where like everything was down. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? This is a more masculine way to, <laughs> to flip people off. So I would include the knuckle in the, the point of finger. And I still do it to this day.
1: That's <laughs> I'll, fantastic. To flip
3: people off. A random scene in a 2002
1: movie. We're already, we'll off, to, right already off to a great start.
3: Great. What, what about uh, Randy Murphy, RIP?
1: Yes, famous number twenty-eight. What do you think of Sam? You're terrible at the numbers game,
3: yes, especially when it
1: pertains to Red Sox players that you should you should know. Um, famous number twenty-eight. So what comes to twenty-eight?
4: Yeah, was was Buckholter twenty-eight for the Eagles? Buck- I don't know. If, Yes, he's he twenty-eight. Ah. W- not the first person I would not the first person I would think of. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: was Mr. The first that of the I'm not an Eagles fan, but I will drop Crow Buckhalters.
3: Um, arguably the best dual threat running back of all time.
1: Dual Marshall threat Falk. running
3: back. Marshall Falk.
1: Marshall. Uh, Falk. okay. Arguably, the, I knew there was. I knew there was going to be a Pats player, but I couldn't think of who it was. One of the greatest. One of the greatest cornerbacks of all time. Daryl Green. Daryl Green. There we go, Caden. Nice, Caden.
3: There we go. Um, beat up Halle Berry.
1: Oh, briefly. Wa- Jesus. Briefly, Jesus. Wore, briefly, wore Briefly, Twenty eight, right? David Justice. I'm literally Googled famous twenty
3: eights, and he's number five. On it. Yes. Did, you, did he wear that? He,
1: that went, like he, like he a... went to twenty three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a sorry <laughs> Um Curtis Martin <laughs> wear number twenty eight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
4: Um, Fred Taylor. From the Jaguars. There's another running back.
3: Oh, were you we talking about uh, Woodson earlier, John? What's that? Are we talking Woodson for 28? Dow Green.
1: Yeah, Darren oh. Woodson from the Cowboys. Yeah. Um, hmm. That's good. Gets us off to a good start. Because two episodes ago, episode 26, Kyle started talking about Kyle Corver and then walking into a barbershop in Muncie, Indiana and saying, Give me the Kyle Corver cut. And they were like, uh, Yeah. I so, listened to that show. Started talking so, so about I was haircuts. Not on it, but. Caden, Caden 26. said he gets a haircut. Caden said he gets a haircut once every six months. Now Caden has a new cut. Dante's got a new cut. Kyle's about to get a new cut.
3: I didn't say that. I said I need one. I didn't say I'm going to get
1: one. <laughs> I'm urging you, urging you in that direction. I mean, your hair looks your hair looks good. Looks fine.
3: Yeah, thank you. It starts to get like goes out and up a little bit. So like you can't hold, you can't hide all that volume.
1: Caden, where did you get your haircut, and will they be the new sponsor of the scoop? I don't know
5: the name of it, to be honest. That's all. You, don't know, you <laughs> don't know the name of the place to cut your hair? <laughs> it's like a little barber shop in, like, Louis, Delaware. And I go there, like, once every six months. But I don't know the name.
3: <laughs> it's that memorable an experience? You know, sometimes you'll buy a product that's just the product type. So say like yeah. vodka. And it won't have, like, a brand name. Does this just say, like, barbershop on it? <laughs> <laughs> just this haircut.
5: Just a white tiny little
3: thing. there's no signage <laughs> I, I haven't paid attention at all Caden, are you getting right. human trafficking what is this
1: <laughs> i'm looking up barber shops lewis delaware and, there,
3: and it's, <laughs> google's gonna say there's one and it's this white sign
1: <laughs> is it lewis hair shop five point barber shop lady in Main barber shop do any of these so gonna, familiar to you? I think it's
5: Lewis Hair Shop because it's on 3rd Street. There we go. There we go. I think we found the... Thank you to <laughs> our, our
1: our good sponsors, Lewis Hair Shop. <laughs> <laughs> they will okay. leave you with a memorable haircutting experience. Dante, talk talk to us about where you get your
4: haircut. Um, I get mine at the Players Barbershop in Hatboro. Players Barbershop? Yeah, that's <laughs> what it's called, I believe. Uh, It's really nice, you know. They got their own beer on tap. They brew their own beer there. You can get a beer. Oh, it's right
3: there, Crooked Eye. I should should
4: go there. Yeah, (laughs) Crooked Eye is nice. I like Crooked Eye. I've been there
3: Um, just once. um, What's the one right across the street? It's it's pretty much Crooked Eye, but it's um... oh, I don't remember.
1: My mom goes to Crooked Eye a lot too. She lives in
3: Hatboro. Artifacts, right
1: there. Sam and I are are loyal Diamond Cuts guys.
2: (laughs) Yes, I got a cut right before I went on vacation, so you can't really. Now it's like drying a little bit.
3: Before you took peyote and disappeared in the Mexico, like Mexican <laughs> desert, for two weeks, I think I said this last week or two weeks ago. But when you close your eyes, Sam Cohn, not a Cancun guy, like you don't come across as like that. That guy goes to Cancun on. It was on that the
2: was break. the first time I've ever been. Well, yeah, first I've been I, I'm aware ever. of it. Yeah,
3: Well, I'm sorry. You haven't been going every twice a year. You're like, of course, that's the first time you've been to Cancun. <laughs> Kyle, heard,
1: Kyle said something like, "I envision Sam being a guy who goes away for a week to journal." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: It's like, where's Sam for this? Like, oh, he disappeared into the Poconos and he's just getting his thoughts out. <laughs> but instead, uh, no, he's just on like a seven day bender, seeing DJs in Cancun.
2: My favorite was John's text saying, um, Are we meeting for the Scoop? I know Sam is at 2003 <laughs> MTV uh, Spring Break. <laughs>
3: Did you listen to the Scoop last week with his logic on that? His logic no, was because you like Back to the Future, an iconic 1980s movie, you would know what 2003 MTV Spring Break was. I said, "What?" He said, "Well, he likes. He, just he likes side, all the things."
1: Just side <laughs> with me on this, Sam. Just do it.
3: <laughs> it was one of the like the bigger reaches that well, ever I know about. Do the right an thing, TV, And I know about
2: the year two thousand three. Not so because of put, each other. <laughs> I could put two and two together for what John was hinting at, but no, I, I didn't. I didn't fully grasp the entire reference. Got tan, by the way. Can someone just tell
3: me yes? <laughs> I mean, comp- you yeah, know, I think I legitimately know like, this. Now
1: he's fishing for compliments. Why don't you just follow, say yes,
2: John? Say follow,
1: yes. Follow Caden's <laughs> example. Caden gets a new cut. And he's not fishing for compliments. And meanwhile, you're like, Oh, where's this? <laughs> 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 tell me I'm tan. <laughs> you look tan. <laughs> oh. Anyway. Well, it's good to be back. It's good to have you back. It's good to I have everybody really back.
3: Was, I think we. we had the Samless break that allowed us to recharge our batteries. We're back. It was <laughs> great. Dante hasn't been here in a while. Caden hasn't been out a couple of weeks. It was just me and John last week. Yeah, alone yeah. with our thoughts. Oh, and then Javon joined at the end. So <laughs> said, many, starting to
2: think it's us. So many old references that you guys would both understand instead of having
1: us that would not. Well, I'm not that references. old, man. <laughs> it's eventually just me talking to myself on Zoom. <laughs> Anyway, Anyway, we do do have stuff to get to this week. We've got basketball, conference awards, the American Athletic Conference tournament. We've got spring football to talk about. We've got a few mailbag questions. Let's get started with this Temple basketball team. Uh, They just had media availability uh, a few minutes ago. We're recording this on Wednesday evening. We'll get to that in a second. So as you know by now, if you are a Temple fan, Temple is uh, facing Tulane. In the uh, quarterfinal round of the American Athletic Conference tournament, Temple's the fourth seed, Tulane's the fifth seed, Temple's 17 and 11 overall, 10 and 7 in the conference standings, two lanes 13 and 14 overall, but 10 and 8 in league standings. So uh, they do have a first round bye, but they know who they're playing, uh, as we said so far. Um, Damian Dunn was named second team all conference with Caleb Battle out. He led the team in scoring a little more than 15 points a game during the regular season. That was good for sixth in the league. Uh, and free throw percentage wise, he was sitting at 83.5%. That's good enough f- for fifth in the league. He said three game winning shots this season. Then Zach Hicks and Jalil White were named to the league's all freshman team. Zach Hicks is averaging uh, 8.1, 8.1 points per game off the bench. Leeds Temple with 59 threes. He had the, the monster game against Delaware State, of course, uh, a few days before Christmas when he hit the 10 threes, scored a freshman record, 35 points. And then Jaleel White, of course, is, has come on recently. It's been averaging almost ten points a game since uh, since January first. And he's Temple's leading rebounder at five point eight boards per game. Um, so, Sam, I'll, I'll throw this over to you. You you felt like Jeremiah Williams got got left out of the the awards fund here, even though he missed six games.
2: Yeah, I think I mean Kyle makes a good point that missing six games is. Nearly a fifth of the season, um, and that's a good chunk when you're looking at awards like this. But I think if you look at his body of work from this season, whether or not he makes it, I think he's absolutely in contention for the third team. I mean, if you look at the guys, and I, I get the, I get you probably have to leave him off as we talked about before we got on um, in terms of just the number of games he missed. But to me, he's better than the, than half the guys on the on the all conference third team. So I think to his credit. His, he's, he's, if he plays a full season, he's fully in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, right there with Dexter Dennis. I think he's right there if he doesn't get it. Uh, and if he plays a full season, he's at least third-team all-conference. Um, I'm assuming the reason he got snubbed was because he missed six games. But, yeah, I think that uh, there's a there's a legitimate argument that even though he only played in, I think it was 22 games, um, that – he should at least be in the conversation. Uh And that, that, that saying he got snubbed isn't the most ridiculous thing in the world. But again, I I, I get the point that because he didn't play a full season, it's uh, it's hard to count him in. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I, I see where he's coming from, but 22 games, two of which were like single digit minutes because he got injured in the first one and then tried to come back in the second one. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of, we talked about this beforehand, if there was an all defensive team, which I think the conference should have, he would be on it. I think the issue is, we watch a lot of Temple basketball. We're fully aware of what Jeremiah Williams does. I think sometimes with um, people that vote on this, whether this is media or coaches, to be honest, I'm not sure which one it is. Um, well, I didn't vote, so I assume it's coaches. But anyway, uh, uh, they're not necessarily seeing every single minute of every single game to the point that Jeremiah Williams' presence on the defensive end doesn't necessarily show up a lot in, like, accounting stats. Like, yes, he had 1.5 steals a game, but, like, his on-ball defense isn't going to translate to a box score, which I think slights him. Yeah, to me, so that, to that me, point, the two things- at that point, he's a single-digit scoring guard. Who, yeah, I I think he's a hell of a piece, and I think he's a very good college player. But I don't. I it didn't surprise me that he wasn't on these teams.
2: Yeah, I mean, just looking back, to me, the two things that stick out for Jeremiah's defensive effort when you want to like, what 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 can you pinpoint as to what he did on the floor was that one play uh, I think it was against Cincinnati where he was chasing around. Mm-hmm uh the entire court for about twenty seconds nonstop. And and then the whole the fact that he held Kendrick Davis to like a to you know like eleven points, whatever it was. And when he was guarding Kendrick Davis, Kendrick Davis was really, really struggling when Temple played SMU. Those pretty are the two much, things that come to mind.
3: Pretty much everything he just says is on Mac Ryan's Twitter right now. Because yeah. when he's when, also, yes. in Lawrence, when he's conference, he said, hey Jeremiah Williams, I think he used the bat emoji because and yes you, I, I know this when you watch the bench now I think it's Ryan Sayers comes up and makes like a bat motion while he's doing this. Yeah. Like while he's doing this on ball ball, does inside defense?
1: Ryan so. Sayers got into the got into the game for a few quality minutes uh, down the stretch, and, uh, and Temple's win on Sunday over those South Florida Bulls. Uh, let's let's look at this, I guess, rubber match. I guess you could call it in the in the conference tournament. So these teams split during the regular season. Temple lost at Tulane back on February twelfth, ninety two eighty three. They were obviously really shorthanded in that game in overtime. Damian Dunn didn't play in that game. Jeremiah Williams didn't play in that game. Um, of course they've been without Caleb battle much of the year, but we already know that And they beat Tulane 75, 70 at home back on February 27th. So, uh, I mean, what's, what's the gut feeling on this game? Uh, you think this is a, uh, I don't even know if there's a line on it yet. I'm not much of a betting guy. Maybe I should be more of a betting guy, but, um, I don't know how you guys feel on heading into this game, uh, in terms of temples chances. I mean, I guess on paper, they could win the game should win the game, but, as we know, you know, Tulane split with them and they've played them tough. What What are you guys thinking heading into Friday?
2: To me, this is a game Temple should win. Uh, again, you mentioned they split the series, but the, the first game they lost, they almost won. And you could argue that they should have won. Yeah. That was Highseer Miller's first start. That was a game Quincy Adam Acoya started. And that was the first game they played all season without Jeremiah Williams and Damien Dunn. And obviously without Caleb Battle. Mm-hmm. So, they were pretty shorthanded for that game, but more importantly, that was like the first – that was their first game being that shorthanded. Since that then, the, they've had a little
3: – That was the you should have fouled game. Yes. Instead of allowing a a shooter. Yeah. The Hicks shot.
2: Yeah. I think, there, I think there was an argument to be made that they're not a good enough free throw shooting team. Uh, right. But it doesn't matter. beside yeah. the point. Anyway, uh, I, I think the fact that Heiser Miller has, has improved tremendously uh, – Reynolds might be too strong of a word, but he's improved over the uh, – since that game – their offense looks a lot cleaner. And Aaron said post game after the South Florida game, like that's the best passing they've done all year. That's the best, like the best they've shared the ball for 40 minutes all season. If you get that Temple offense uh, and the way they can share the ball and you get guys able to hit shots, that first two lane game, they had a lot of tough shots. Uh, if you can make the shots, you can make open shots, you can share the ball, you can generate quality looks. And then, you know, uh, generally, you know what you're getting from Temple defensively. I think it's a game on paper. They definitely should win.
1: So Tulane's obviously a team that's made good use of the transfer portal. Jalen, uh, Jalen Cook, the LSU transfer, is their leading scorer at 18 points a game. Jalen Forbes is an Alabama transfer. Okay. Is Jalen yeah. Cook playing? Oh yeah, good point. Uh, I mean,
3: uh, he he was injured. I think he was uh, going into the SMU game there finale. He was uh, calling him, like a game time decision. He didn't play. Was that just sportsmanship, and they were kind of over exaggerating it? No, that's a great like? question.
1: Uh, I mean, I don't, I personally don't know, but yeah, if he's not playing, then Temple. That's, I mean, that's a huge, huge loss for for Tulane. So, um, I guess something we'll have to have to
3: monitor. But, um, uh, I mean, he's well, been good my gut tells me pretty much everything sam said where like i think on a neutral court which this is gonna be i think the very true definition of a neutral court i'm not expecting much tulane fanfare or tuple fanfare there um i think tuple's just a better team this year mm-hmm. than too uh to the point where like tuple's b squad should have beat them in regulation in new orleans instead of just overtime and they just ran out of gas uh i i would think when people point when people look at Tulane, they go oh, they added forbes and they added cook why can't Temple have players like that? They added Forbes and they a Cook, and they still went 13 and 14. Yeah, like they're not a good team objectively. Like I understand they went 10 8 in conference, and they got better mm-hmm. than that. Temple is a is a better team than two.
1: Right, and their team, like you know, Aaron talked about this a lot on Sunday when it when it came time to talking about exceeding expectations, exceeding the uh, uh, exceeding the the preseason poll. Uh, expectations because Temple was picked to finish eighth, wasn't Tulane picked to finish like what tenth, right? Tenth, I think. Yeah, yeah, and you know, Aaron talked about how he and Ron Hunter talked about, you know, kind of huddling up and talking about that and saying, "Look at where they had us." And uh, yeah, Kyle brings a good point. They were they had a losing record, thirteen overall. Um, yeah, again, if if Cook doesn't play, then that's a a huge you know dent in their chances there. Jalen Forbes has been good. Kevin Cross is is you know. It presents a size problem to them, but I do agree that it's a game that they should win, regardless of whether or not you know Cook plays.
2: One minor thing I would add is, you know, we talk about those guys that are their their primary scoring options. Uh, one thing Tulane I think and Temple have in common a little bit is they have guys off the bench that mm-hmm. can kind of go off uh, scoring wise. Earlier in the season, you probably say it was Ty Strickland. Now it's probably a guy like Zach Hicks who can come off the bench and put up 15 for you. Coleman was the guy that in that first game really torched them offensively. So. Yeah. They have a handful of different scoring options. If you're Temple, it's how do you make other guys beat you? Uh, how do you take Forbes out of the game? How do you take guys like that? Their primary scoring options um, keep the ball out of their hands and force other guys to beat you.
1: Caden, Dante, any thoughts on the game? Uh, I
5: think I'm just on board with uh, you know, Kyle and Sam where I think you know Temple is just an overall better roster than Tulane and then, now, with the way Damien Dunn's been playing recently, I think we will give him a slight edge. I think it's a close game, but like like Sam and Kyle said, I think they just have a little too much, and they should win this game.
3: Yeah, I think uh, Sam brings up a good point about Coleman. I mean, in the loss, like Tulane's lost to Temple, played eight minutes, zero for two, zero points. In the win, 31 minutes, 17 points, six nine for the field, and then in the two games since the Tulane game, he's gone off. Like, he had 19 against SMU. So, like, he's providing a spark as a mm-hmm. freshman off the bench there.
1: Sam, you were in on the media availability uh, just a few minutes ago. What, what what sticks out in your mind? What came from that session with uh, with Aaron McKee and Damian Dunn?
2: Uh, one thing specifically to stick on the topic of Tulane. Um, I would ask Aaron. I mean, they've played him. They've played Tulane twice. Kind of understand how to how to figure out that matchup zone. Temple kind of understands what they're getting in Tulane for the most part. Obviously, there's going to be adjustments made heading into the conference tournament, but for the most part, they know what they're getting. So, what's the recipe for for beating uh for beating Tulane and for Temple uh I think a lot of it uh, and I I guess a lot of what Aaron said is to be able to limit those guys to be able to keep the ball out of their hands um to be able to you know figure out to be able to get things going offensively you know share the ball as they did against USF and if you look at most of their wins that's been a key part is multiple guys scoring the basketball they've had their games where like you know Caleb went off for 30 or um, Zach Hicks went off for 30 or Dame went off for 25 to 30, whatever. They've had games where one guy kind of takes over and that can't be the mindset going in. He's talked a lot about when you go into a game like this, it's all about consistency. It's go out there and do what you need to do. And a hero will generally emerge among the pack uh, for someone that's just kind of clicking differently, but to go in with, with that kind of consistent role and to know what you're doing and, and to, uh, to continue what they do and just share the ball. To me, that's the biggest thing. If Tumble's going to win this game, if they share the ball, they should have no problem generating quality shots. If they start playing hero ball, ISO ball, you know, shooting, taking too many threes, then uh, they're done for.
1: Here's that clip. Unless they hit all of oh, them. Oh, go ahead, go ahead.
2: What'd you say? Unless they hit all those threes, of course, then, then they should be fine.
1: So here's the, here's the clip that, uh, that part of that interview that, that Sam was referencing. We'll, we'll play that for you here now.
0: Well, just keeping those guys quiet in, in two games. And when I say those guys, I meaning Forbes and cooks and um cross, Um, Coleman, you throw him in the mix now. He's a wild card for him. Comes off the bench and shoots it really well. Um, Those guys are averaging 81 points against us in in two games. uh, Forbes is shooting a pretty good percentage from two and and from three. So we want to try to keep their main guys as quiet as possible. we got to guard them without fouling. We put them on the free throw line in two games, I think. I want to say 63 times. Um, That's far too many. So cut down on turnovers, guard them without fouling, and do as good a job as we could possibly do on those two, two, two main scores, Forbes and Cooks.
1: Right, well, Sam, one thing I did want to ask you about before we start talking about uh, Temple's spring football schedule here is you you are working on a piece for the Inquirer. In addition, for those of you who don't know, in addition to working with us at Al Scoop, Sam also covers Temple along with Belladia more for the Inquirer, for Philadelphia Inquirer. You talked to Nick Jordan recently for a piece you're working on there. What came out of that conversation? Because he obviously is a guy that has shown flashes. He's young, like most of the team, but if he catches fire. You know, it's obviously not a bad thing for them. He's been a little erratic, you know, um, you know has to stay out of foul trouble by his own admission. Uh, but what came out of that conversation? What are you expecting from him heading into this weekend?
2: yeah, there's two sides of Nick Jordan, the one that, you know, plays 24 plus Heath. minutes <laughs> plays mm-hmm. 24 plus minutes and gets close to a double double,
3: mm-hmm. you
2: know, maybe gives you 12 points and seven rebounds, whatever uh, is getting up there. Both again, can give you, you know, two blocks can be a good rim protector. And then there's the Nick Jordan that can't stay on the floor because he's fouled out close to seven times this season. So
1: he's ripping, uh, his, jersey.
2: Or he's ripping his jersey off. So, that's going to be a huge, uh, a huge test for for him and for Temple. Is if if he's he's probably been the most consistent frontcourt piece they've had all season um, when he's playing well. So so he'll be important for them. And I want to kind of let him do the talking with the clip that we're about to play about about the difference between Temple heading into last year's conference tournament versus heading into this year's conference tournament. I just remember when we came in last year. Of course, we, we thought we were going to win and stuff like that. But it's just a completely different energy. Like you know, I feel
0: like. Everyone here, like, I just, I feel the energy. and It's like we all know, like, our season isn't over. We Mm -hmm. know that we're going to keep going. So uh, I'll definitely say that that's one thing that I look back on, just the energy of the overall team. All
1: right. So some good stuff there from Nick Jordan. Before we get into spring football, getting back to ripping your jerseys, did any of you in any level of sports ever get so upset that you ripped a jersey and had a temper tantrum?
4: Not on the field or court. Where I did I did have I did have a bedroom. <laughs> I did have a, a minor I did have a, like a minor spat. Like uh I was at a game, it was a basketball game, and I I mean I just played horrible. I was like I had like five points. I was like, you know, two for 40 from the field. Like it was just a bad game and
1: bad numbers. You know, I,
4: yeah, no, I I did that thing that, you know, Kobe was like, you know, stay in the gym until you make a hundred shots. So I tried to do that after the game, and I was like just tossing up bricks still, and I like I had like a moment where I just like like really just started like getting very mad and like chucking the ball <laughs> at, the, at the hoop. But I was in like um, man, that must have been like my sophomore year of high school. That's like the biggest freakout I've had. There was absolutely nobody else in the gym. Like it was just me. There was nobody there. Maybe the janitor heard me. Um, but outside of that, I I'm
1: pretty good usually. Did the, did the Bucks County Courier Times write about this? Uh, definitely not. Sam, Kyle, Caden, Sam. Personally.
2: Has- Personally, I'm not one to get emotionally drunk, as the <laughs> great John Chaney would
1: say. I've <laughs> just cringed.
2: Uh, no, I've never actually ripped my jersey. Uh, one of my friends in high school got to the point where he was he was doing one of these and probably about to rip his jersey, and I kind of like slapped his hands down. But no, I've never I've never ripped my jersey before. I don't think
3: uh, I charged a future division three basketball coach coach's mound while he was playing oh. while we were doing slow pitch softball uh, in the, in gym. My high school gym teacher ended up being Westchester's basketball coach. I think he still is, Damian Blair. Um, and it was slow pitch softball. I hit a gapper. I tried stretching it to three. He called me out at third. Uh, I disagreed with the call. Um, also, to keep in mind that I was doing double gym. Uh, I did. I figured out senior year that you could just take another, another gym class. So I got put into a freshman year gym class as a senior. What? So I just, it was awesome. It was, I just because <laughs> I'm a senior in high school, I'm like 17, 18. I'm, I'm like, further along developmentally than these like 14 year olds. So I'm just like housing them and things like we're playing <laughs> soccer. I'm being aggressive, we're playing basketball, I'm doing it. He's doing slow pitch to these kids because you know, they're 14 year olds and I'm just ripping gappers. Uh, but yeah, so he <laughs> called me out. I had some choice words. I walked towards mound pretty aggressively. And then afterwards he just told me, Hey man, I, th- I thought you were out. I was, like, oh, well, I was like, it was a very like de-escalated Great like, conversation. End, of the, end of the game. He's like, Hey man, look, I, I, from where I'm buying your point, you're out. Like, I get that you disagreed, but you were out. And then, like, two years later, he got named Westchester's uh, basketball coach. I uh, like absolutely I'd like to nothing to do
1: with your interaction.
3: He also used to every year – I had him for three years, whatever. He used to every year tell us about how he played at Westchester and he had, he had workouts with the Sixers and he just could not beat Eric Snow. Like, like they would just have these guys coming for tryouts, and Eric Snow would just like kick the shit out of them. And like, that's when he realized like maybe I should just get in the coaching because I can't beat out Eric Snow.
1: I'm not a fan of Eric Snow. I've told you why I'm not a fan of Eric Snow.
3: You have, and it's valid.
1: Yeah. Anyway, Kaden, I'm not a fan of
3: Damian Blair because you know he just called me on the third.
1: Yeah, Caden, any, uh, any, any like incredible Hulk moments in your in your high school football or lacrosse career where you ripped a jersey? I think
5: not ripped a jersey, but in football, I think one or maybe one or two uh, two times, you know, I've gotten mad and I pulled over the sideline and took off the helmet and slammed it against the bench. Did the one of those where I took it off and threw it out of frustration that the game wasn't going well. I can't remember ripping my jersey, but I think during football, like I seem like a pretty chill person, but I would be like the most angry (laughs) I ever was. I think I slammed a helmet.
2: You know the video of David Ortiz taking a bat to the phone and just like. Yeah. Smashing it. That's what I'm picturing Caden with his helmet just just destroying it against the AI, writing, a, against the writing a
1: recruiting story about himself. It's
3: like I got my lead here.
1: It's about slowing <laughs> the helmet. My
3: favorite part is after Nick Jordan ripped his jersey, the PA announcer, um, Carlos actually, no. Yeah, so the PA announcer referenced his new jersey number. Which I guess makes sense. Like his like the temporary number that he was wearing, he'd be like number thirty eight, Nick Jordan. His,
1: his Raleigh or Hollis Jefferson Number yeah, thirty two like, huh. jersey. I mean,
3: I guess it makes sense instead of it being like, well, here's your actual number, but like you're wearing number yeah. thirty two right now.
1: Yeah. Well see it. if he uh keeps his jersey on and uh if he plays well. I mean but what what before we go into spring football, any chance that probably not ECU any chance that the ECU or Cincinnati could upset Houston on Friday? No. Any chance the Temple could beat Houston on Saturday?
3: You have a better chance of Cincinnati upsetting Houston than Temple beating Houston.
1: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I
2: was, like, if if someone's gonna do it, it's probably gonna be Cincinnati. Uh, we saw too be much something.
1: last week. We saw too much in that route where they just got their clocks cleaned. Houston is darn good. But, but also,
3: like, I think Javon referred to it as a reminder. Like, this is like a reminder of like where you yeah. are. Yep. Uh, and, yeah, I think that's accurate. Somebody, I think, not to get you referring to the mailbag, I think in our mailbag somebody said, like, do you think this is some gamesmanship on McKee that, that they got beat that much ball on, potentially? Uh-uh. No. <laughs> they got
1: no no, 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 no. No, We'll get to Jeremiah Williams in a, in a second when we get back to basketball. After we talk about spring football, which starts Friday. So um we, we post this on our on our com message board, our football message board we'll explain to you is, our podcast listeners here on The Scoop. So uh, Spring Ball begins Friday. In terms of media availability, we'll really only be able to see the first 15 minutes of practice. And the first eight media availability sessions are going to be all with Stan Drayton starting this Friday. So um, I get the sense that, that Stan is a guy, you know, we asked him, you know, when we had him on The Scoop a few weeks ago, and we asked him about the current roster, he was very hesitant to to make any bold claims or even any substantive claims about his current roster, which I can can kind of get behind, you know, because I think some players come in and they, they like to get into the whole false bravado vibe and say, this guy's going to be this, this guy's going to be all conference. This guy really stands out. Um, But (laughs) I can see by that fifth or sixth media session, and we can't really see anything more than stretching, you know, or some light drill work. I think it's gonna be like Stan. Favorite uh, favorite burrito place on campus. I think we're going to start with <laughs> thing to, to ask about. But, um, you know, the spring game is going to be Saturday, April 9th on campus. Edward Olson Hall. Kyle had re, uh, had previously reported and broken all the news about uh, when spring ball is going to start. The fact that the, it was sort of at one point maybe up in the air about whether or not they were going to have the spring game on campus. They are going to have it on campus. Pro Day is going to be Wednesday, March 23rd. Um, Again, we don't. This is, we've said it before, it's a wide open roster. I don't think that you really have any position where you're, you're looking at the roster and saying, yeah, they're, they're two or three deep there. They look great. Obviously, that's why they're in the position they are now, where they had a, a coaching change. Um, I, I had said last week, I, I feel like maybe one of the narratives coming out of Spring Ball was that maybe you're going to be hearing about Dewan Mathis responding well to the new offensive coordinator. We'll we'll see if that's the case or if things are are wide open, a quarterback. But I I know that we could literally go around the horn and say every position is a position to watch. But um, Dante, I'll start with you here. Give me a position battle to watch that you think is going to be really intriguing.
4: Uh, Yeah, I think, honestly, I'll take one that I'm not sure other people take. I think the linebacker one's going to be really interesting just because they're overhauling that group. And I'm really curious to see what those roles look like in this defense. We talked about it a lot on national signing day. They brought in all those freshmen, you know, do those guys push for some time on those outside spots? What do you do about all the inside backers you have? You added uh, some on national signing day. You still have Kobe Wilson. You still have a couple other young guys, Jordan McGee, still in that group. Uh, what do you do with you? Rigby. Is he an outside backer? Is he an inside backer? He's done both had moderate success, success at both spots. So, um, I would describe that as one of the deeper, as far as names are concerned, and guys that I've seen play well on film. I think that's one of the deeper positions on the roster. But you only have, you know, allotted, you know, two inside guys, then you have the two outside guys. I see a lot of very good inside backers, and I see a lot of question marks on those outside backers. So uh, watching those guys, getting to see that position battle is going to be very, very interesting. Uh, DJ Elliott's a linebackers coach; it's his background. It is, you know arguably the most important part of that defense if those guys do not play well that defense is not going to be successful they are asked to do a lot so that for me is the biggest battle outside of like the very obvious ones um, because I think you have a ton of talent there and trying to sort out where those guys play you know balancing actual skill set and just getting the four best players on the field is going to be a challenge for
1: them I think.
3: Anybody else want to take this one? I I think Dante made great points. I think just kind of give like a a balcony perspective on the state of this roster. I think going into the spring, you can probably say there's maybe four or five guys that should probably feel pretty good about being starters right now. Like Adam Klein, Isaac Moore, probably Jose Barbon, and then like Keyshawn Paul and Cameron Ruiz probably feel pretty good about their starting spots every other starting position in my mind is very firmly up in the air and that includes juan mathis Mm -hmm. that includes the linebacking core like dante just mentioned but the area that's going to stick out to me is if anything just because you've lost senior leadership there is the wide receiver group i mean jose Barbon's an established wide receiver whether or not he's a future pro or anything like that, i don't know but he's an established wide receiver at this level and after that I don't know, like Amadi Ernest has flashed, but has been inconsistent. Uh, Nazir Burnett had the recruiting profile, hasn't shown anything really yet other than some garbage time in Cincinnati. So there needs to be probably two or three guys that kind of stick out and, and take big steps in the spring in the receiving group, uh, group. Otherwise, you know, you might be going shopping in the transfer portal in that section.
5: Caden, what do you think? Um. When looking at the roster, part of me wants to go with running backs, but I think a position battle to watch, like Kyle mentioned, losing some veteran leadership is also safety. Louis Amir, Tyler, MJ Griffin, Francis Louisville. to see, you know, this year, see who steps up in a bigger role. Does Deshaun wants to return and is healthy? And then a guy like Alex Oden, what type of step, you know, does he take next? And then who backs up those guys? We've seen Jalen Ware play snaps. Does he get a bigger role? And then a guy like Sam Martin, you know, coming in as a freshman, kind of see where he can go up the depth chart. So I'm definitely interested in looking at safety.
1: Sam, you looked like you were exasperated when Kyle started talking about wide receivers because that looked like that was.
5: Well, this
2: is this is uh, this how this how it always works. When I go last? uh, it used to be like a a Sam Newman would take, and then Kyle would take, and then I would just be like, or Dante would take, or I would take whatever. Uh, I was seeing wide receivers, and then my backup was uh, the running back group because I just because I think that's kind of like an open battle. I think they have some guys. You know, if Iverson Clements back too, you know, they have they put Trey, Trey Blair. Uh, you know, maybe he sees a little bit more of uh, some some increase in reps. who knows? I think it's just a super open room. But uh, I the the group that hasn't been mentioned, that I'll go with, I think, is the O-line just because you're losing, uh, you know, CJ at center. You're losing nice, uh, You're losing Hooper. So they have some starters that are gone. So I just think there's there's some opening there that I think will be will be interesting to look out for. Um, mainly, like I, I, if I'm being completely honest, I, who's I don't know who's behind CJ Perez at center or do they move someone or.
3: And um, Klein is it Bryce Toman? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I would guess. I don't know. I mean, prior to CJ Prince transferring in, remember the the plan was for Klein to switch over to center uh, for that sure year. Was that just a Rod Carey fever dream? I don't know. Um, I think I think Klein's versatility is his biggest asset. So like if, if they Absolutely. need him to put that position, I think he could. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but is, it is it Bryce Toman?
1: When I talked to him for the other pod with 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 Adam for the Believe podcast, it sounded like he he felt like he wanted to be fairly entrenched at, at guard. But you know, what we'll, we'll see. I mean, I'd love to we'd love to get Chris Weasehan on the pod at some point. He's not one of the coaches that's mentioned uh, for media availability in the spring, but we'll, we'll try to get him because you know that that Chris has great institutional knowledge when it comes to this program, and he has great knowledge of some of the guys on this line already, like Isaac Moore, like Adam Klein, and. You know, I mean any coach can say that they really have pride in getting their room, you know, tightened up, but I think Chris really will because he's heavily involved with recruiting and they'll want to know really coming out of the spring what they have, what they need to work on. Uh maybe it's maybe it's wisdom quarsi backing him up at center, that's maybe it's Bryce Coleman. So we'll have to see. I, I'm looking at again, you could literally pick, you know, Caden said you, you'd want to go with the running backs, you could look at the running backs. I mean, looking at the defensive line, I mean both in the interior the exterior i mean what you know if they're gonna what we have a question about this you know later on in the mailbag if they're running you know a base three-man front regardless of what they do on certain downs who's pressuring the quarterback you know is it uh and this kind of could morph into this mailbag question is it you know who's going to get pressure is it going to be Leighton jordan does a jaquavian Mahone generate pressure at defensive tackle does you know a, a guy like Darian Varner was starting to flash a little bit, a Jacoby Sharp. uh, How does Evan Boozer look coming off of his injury? Um, You know, I mean, if they can actually get – this sounds so obvious to say, you know, you feel, you know, fairly solid about what they have at cornerback, and if they can get some pressure up front, then maybe they have a chance of being a a somewhat decent defense. But, you know, if they can't get anything – going up front, then it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a long season regardless of, of who they have in the secondary.
2: Well, just one more thing I want to throw in and Kyle had mentioned this, but I don't, I don't think we should just skip over it as the quarterbacks because yeah. Dewan Mathis isn't coming in just being the number one guy, like right? It's, it's sounds like a pretty, could be a pretty open and open group. You know, who comes in? Is it, is, does Valenti look good? I mean, EJ Warner was the big name recruit they got. He's 17 years old. So. Dante putting a finger up.
4: Yeah, I, I have a hot take. Um, I do not know if the quarterback who plays the most staps this season is on the roster.
3: I'm going <laughs> to be honest. I, I don't know make, if that's a I, hot take, but I don't think that's a hot take. I wasn't going to frame it that way. I was going to say if you, at the end of the year, the top two quarterbacks for the 2022 Temple team, one of them is probably on the roster right now. Whether it's yeah. some guy comes in and takes Mathis' spot or whether they bring in some guy who pushes Mathis but is the number two quarterback I don't think that guy is currently in Philadelphia
4: my problem with Mathis is less about like play which I have plenty of gripes about it's just like he like I he gets hurt and it sucks because he's so obviously like physically talented right like he has all of the tools to be a very good college starting quarterback but like he just he can't stay healthy And, and like given Temple's offensive line situation given the style of quarterback that he is, I find it hard to believe he's not going to take hits this year. And you never want to, you know, project that a guy's going to get hurt, but you know, behind him, there's not much, there is a lot of quarterbacks in the transfer portal, a lot. That could Mm -hmm. be like very, I'm not saying they're going to go out there and get like a big name, but like just a very solid guy who, you know, maybe flamed out at a power five program. Like there's a ton of those guys in the portal right now that they could go and add to this room just to make it a little bit better. So again, and you look at dwan Mathis's injury history again, it's a hot take for a reason. I don't think it's going to happen, but like it could it wouldn't shock me uh, you know, i don't i don't honest. really
1: i think it's a I think it's a very fundamentally sound take I don't even really think it's a, a, a hot take. Kyle and I were kind of talking about this last night i mean and and you guys remember I think it was in the breakout session the day that 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 Stan Drayton was announced i mean he was pretty honest, I mean, he was, I don't know that he was like trying to necessarily take a shot at DeJuan Mathis, but he was asked about DeJuan. He basically, and I'm I, you know, thinking back on this and very much paraphrasing, he basically said, you know, we got to, we got to see what's going on there. Why did he want to leave? Why was he on the fence? Um, You know, d- does he really kind of, it's kind of that vibe of like, do you really want to be here? Are you really interested in getting better? And look, I mean, it's, it's look, I mean, two seasons ago, a bunch of guys jumped ship. And then when things are, aren't going well at all, you know, Dwan Mathis kind of, you know, says he's gonna enter the portal, never really fully entered the portal. But this is very obviously a huge, huge spring for him because he already, whether he wanted it or not, like had the target on his back and saying, Okay, you are an SEC level recruit. Things didn't work out for you, Georgia. You've been through a lot of hardship in your life, you had a, a brain cyst removed. You come here, you did show some flashes, you you played well against some you know, some teams that weren't great, you, you played well against Memphis, then, you know, you couldn't stay healthy. Like, he, he has an opportunity to really write his own narrative and he could come out of the spring and say, you know what, I, I just really needed to, um really needed to just g- work with a guy like Danny Langsdorf, who was really experienced, that could really like, um, really get me on the right track. But otherwise, you know, if, if he's if the narrative coming out of the spring, and again, to remind people, we're really not going to be able to see a whole lot of practice. If the narrative coming out of the spring is, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I'd be surprised if they don't add, whether it's for depth or whether it's for legitimate competition, I'd be very surprised as Dante said, there are a lot of quarterbacks in the portal. I'd be very surprised if they don't add somebody. So I don't really, I don't really think it's a, it's a hot take at all. So, um, so Sam, go ahead.
2: I have a legitimate question. Um, Hypothetically, or, realistically they had a quarterback when does that happen when do you when do you guys think that happens
3: after spring falling, ball following the spring ball i think i think you have another spring where somebody might think that right now they're in the competition for a starting gig that they're gonna lose at whatever school and then they say screw it i gotta get back out there and get on the field and they enter out there i mean it can't be now and like because like this yeah, yeah, cause yeah they can't enroll now so i would say after spring they make that decision and then they try to get them in here by like summer one and then go from there mm-hmm.
1: All right, so before we get into the the mailbag here, uh, if you are not subscribed yet to you definitely should. Uh, We have a lot of recruiting content on the site right now. Got a couple stories up this week from Caden Steele. I talked to FAU transfer Devin Hayes, a guy that Temple could potentially add uh, to the offensive line, and then a 2023 recruit in Jamar Ebron from Archbishop Carroll, the Archbishop Carroll down in Washington, D.C., not the one uh, in Radnor. Um, Kate, you want to give us just a quick glance uh, of – you know, what those, you know, what those conversations were like. And then I know you've talked to uh, a bunch of other guys too, because you've always told us that you're addicted to recruiting coverage, which we appreciate. Uh, just a quick glance at those conversations, with those guys, and then what you have coming up the pipe with some of your other interviews.
5: Yeah. Devin, Hayes. uh he's an interesting player. six foot six, 295 pounds from Florida Atlantic. And played four seasons there. Didn't it seem like he was like a full-time starter. Then they didn't really get his opportunity. Ending the grad transfer portal with two years of eligibility left. Got the offer from Chris uh, you know I talked about how he talked about Chris Weezahan, and you know, one of the quotes talks about I don't know how they Temple put up how was it 600, 670 yards versus UCF, and talked about how they kind of uh, they had a good conversation. And he's looking for an opportunity to become a full-time starter. And then Jamar Ebron, the wide receiver from Archbishop Carroll, he's five foot nine, 185 pounds. He's a, not the biggest guy, but very explosive, very fast. You know, I talked about you know how he his recruiting start process kind of started off slow, but now he's picking up you know some steam because of his speed and because of his ability you know make you know make plays with the ball in his hands, and then coming up you know I have some more you know interviews you know scheduled, but also have some interviews are done. i talked to Jasir Winke from, is it a mop a mop tap in Philadelphia? Hello, Emma Batapi, a local kid, um, got offered by the old staff. He's been, uh, I don't know if he's necessarily been re offered, but I know he'll be on an unofficial visit this weekend with Temple. And then Ivan Murray, he's a six foot, two-hundred-pound, 250 pound defensive end from Pawsbury High School, has a visit from March 17th. And a few of the other players I've talked to is Donovan McCoy. He's a wide receiver, he's six foot five. They've been targeting some bigger guys. McCoy's six foot five, some St. Joseph Regional High School in New Jersey. And then another one of the guys who's also 6'5", uh, seems Jafar Williams is targeting some bigger guys, is Nathan Stewart from Laurel, Maryland, he plays a St. Vincent Peloti, but he's 6'5", 195. So they've been targeting a lot of wide receivers, and uh,
1: I'll have those up soon. Nice. Good stuff, Caden. Joining us for the mailbag, logging into Zoom, none other than Javon Edmonds. Javon, we are just getting into the mailbag now. We only have a a few questions, so...
0: uh um, why do you hate analytics? <laughs> why do I ha- Oh, 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 okay. Well, there we go. <laughs> oh. Let's let's start off high. There That's, we go. That was mailbag. That's uh, mailbag question number one. It's not a mailbag oh, question, no. but Kyle it's just threw Baroon it into the mailbag. <laughs> well, well, first of all, Sam gave me the nickname of, of Boomer, which I fully embrace and love, and and like I told our good friend of room last night, I think one person with a lifetime knowledge of a game two eyes, maybe some glasses to help with it, half a brain, a notebook, and some film can go further than 50 guys from Silicon Valley that never touched the ball a day in their life with 15 different algorithms. I mean, they've got stats named LeBron and Gobert. I, I'm, I'm not going off of that. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. Me and math don't get along. But to my common knowledge, <laughs> the highest percentage you can get when you're doing something is 100%. If there's a stat that exists, that can say you put over 100% on the stat sheet, I, I, I don't respect it. That's just me. And I think sports got along just fine, and a lot of teams have been winning and playing better brands of basketball, football, and all of the above with common sense than they have <laughs> with analytics. Analytics lost the Tampa Bay Rays, a World Series, okay? And I'm a part-time Dodgers fan whenever the Orioles stink, which is very frequently. So coming from me, you know, I, I, I'm – Analytics just not my best friend. It's not one of those things my mind can be changed over.
1: Sam, before you speak here, Dante, Ed, as you were talking, Jabon, Dante literally was moving his his eyeballs round in his sockets like this. <laughs> Why, Dante? Why are you so upset?
4: I people have this like very weird view, as if like analytics drive every decision that they're involved in. I I think it's like like it's just a number. It does not drive every decision that a team makes. And also, like, analytics has gotten this, like, very broad umbrella. I don't know how to tell you this, but not every stat that you read is an analytic. It's not. Analytics is just uh, part, part of hey, he, the of He's right.
0: Give me a common box score. What's... That's not analytics. I'll take that. and. and, and,
4: and... Okay. What is is – all right, so if you're looking at football, is completion percentage overexpected and analytic? Is that an analytic to you? Yes.
0: What is overexpected? Like what is an expected completion? I saw something – what was that, EPA that I got oh. into argument with Mina Kimes about per 17 executions. What the hell are 17 wait, exec-
3: wait, 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 wait. Did Mina
0: Kimes engage? Yes. It, it it was like a whole morning thing. It, it was exhausting. The cold twice the yeah. she engaged, yeah. she engaged twice, twice well, with two different things. Yeah.
3: My thoughts on Mina Kimes aside, who hurt you?
0: Like <laughs> when, well, well, when, well, this season, John Harbaugh. Bro. When you when you watch
3: Moneyball and they're in the scene where they're telling you, how do we replace John B. Damon, and you side with the seventy year old scouts. No, I don't. You said no, I a don't. Baseball. Wait, 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 Dante. wait, Dante. What, and Kyle.
0: Sam was here for this conversation I had with our good buddy Ray Dunn. Baseball is the only sport where I say 75% oh. of your operations can be analytics. Outside of that, oh, money ball, I was a fan of because the Oakland A's, they stunk. They needed to change something up. They and had baseball three is a Cy numbers- Young winners oh, and an MVP. Baseball, <laughs> is a numbers- baseball is a numbers game. When I say stink, I mean they had no money, and they were not going to retool that roster with star players. That's what I mean by stink. Baseball is we, we a gotta, game of numbers. We, you can use analytics to win in baseball to a certain degree. Oh. Everything else, though, come on. And, and you don't need 15 million stat sheets. and and spreadsheets and formulas and equations. It's just, it's 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 about, it's it's about, here's the thing.
4: It's about contextualizing what you see on the field. I think you have this idea that like the numbers that are provided in the sheets are like not acquired from things that happen on the field. Like they are, like they are based in the things that you just talked about at least I'm only speaking for football. I don't dive into basketball. I have no idea what's going on there. You want to yell at Varun about, you know, something over a hundred percent, knock yourself out. I have no idea what's going on there, but like for football, like that is stuff that is happening on the field that we are just quantifying. And this feels so weird for me because I don't consider myself an analytics guy. Like me sitting here and arguing with you about this is like very weird. Like I spend three fourths of my day watching film. So like, I get it, but like, they're just numbers, man. It ain't But, that but deep. the film drives it's not your that
0: thinking, deep. Dante. I, I respect that. I can't respect when the numbers drive complete thinking. Okay, for well that's fine. I just can't. That's like, fine. like if a context-wise, I hear you as far as they con- put things in context. And Sam, I promise I'm letting you go after I make this point. I promise. <laughs> but I remember five years ago, a number said J.R. Smith shooting contested three in the corner was a better shot than feeding Tristan Thompson in the post. In what world of basketball is a contested three? a better shot than a poster. When in in basketball is a mid range, a bad shot. Like when the numbers say stuff like that, I'm not going to respect them. And it's just not going to be a way to change my mind about it. Sam, the floor is yours.
2: Thank you. Um, (laughs) One thing (laughs) I also like Dante consider myself not analytics guy, but I'm not going to gatekeep other people diving in numbers because who cares? Let them do it. I know like Kyle's come up with some crazy, crazy numbers that I like. I think numbers can be really cool. But also, I like, I'm the kind of person that will, I agree with you to the point where what you see should then go into, like, numbers should back up what you see. What you see shouldn't back up numbers. But at the same time, it's like, like Kyrie dropped 50. And the number you were referring to about Varun on Twitter was that he was over 100% in true shooting percentage. Like, that's a barometer for you watched him play well, and then you see, him when i
1: kyle <laughs> kyle, has, zoom, kyle, says, I, <laughs> kyle put something up with his zoom filter and it said scoreboard javon one <laughs>
0: Oh, that's great. (laughs) While while around the horn is on my TV in the background, too. This 3 1. Where's my face? Oh, no, wait. Oh, Oh, no. It's 3
3: 1. Sorry. I didn't see the The most dangerous lead in all of sports. Dante up 3 1.
4: Stop the count.
1: Caden has informed us that he has to leave for class. Caden, thank you so much. Do you have anything to add on analytics or no?
5: I'm not a huge analytics guy, but I can't like stand there and be like, they don't play any role. I think it's very important to mix the both, have an eye for talent, but also use analytics because I think it is very important. I don't want to overuse analytics. I don't agree with just being you know a stats guy or numbers guy, but they definitely play a key role in every sport
1: now. <laughs> Good stuff, Caden. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Sam also has to leave in a, in a couple of minutes. Kyle, we love your background filter. Let's. Uh, I I want to say before we get to the mailbag, I was just heartened by the the fact that Javon and Varun were talking because Javon considers himself a boomer. We tease Varun about going back in time. I I got to know Varun because he was recalling stats from games that happened at least ten years before he was born, and we've we've teased him about that.
2: Generations of Al scoop uh, going back and forth on Twitter. I think that's that's more noteworthy.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So we do have we do have some mailbag questions. Yeah, outside
3: the fa- you you came at the family, Javon. Al scoop supports Al scoop.
0: <laughs> I didn't even go at the family. I, he responded to a retweet I had of some other state.
1: Just family, family. So the family, if family, if anything, just family, working on
2: family okay, stuff. We should we should all just. Sit down and play Monopoly together, and just be ready to kill oh, each dude, other. I'm,
3: I'm brutal. That. <laughs> I, I'm I so have two so good rules: one, Al Scoop versus everybody; two, this family eats at six. Those are our two guiding principles. You <laughs> went against, like, you made Al Scoop versus Al Scoop. What are we doing here? My
1: wife, my we, we played Monopoly Saturday night, and my wife and mother-in-law both got upset with me because I won, and I won by like putting hotels on like, like St. James Place. I didn't even have hotels oh, nice. on like, like marvin gardens and like pacific and like boardwalk and park place oh, those are those are bad investments. terrible you want, you want the, terrible fir- the first
3: 30 first 40 of the board yeah is what you, you
2: want. want orange and red are the two best uh yeah. the two best properties on the board if you can get purple also good but orange and red are the two you want
3: yeah
2: put, a, once a, put-
3: yellow and green are just they're just trying to that's a tease. That's like you think you yeah. have and something. Get the fuck out of here. like No. Yeah. Don't love <laughs> <let> that <laughs> last stretch of us. You want to talk this- analytics?
2: You want to talk analytics? When you pass free parking, you are not landing on yellow or blue. Not happening. and red, in, the red the and orange are the most landed on spots on the on the board.
1: Come to the scoop, be informed about temple football, basketball, and your latest monopoly takes. <laughs> there you have it. Sam, are you sticking around for the mailbag or do you have to run?
2: Uh, I like these first two questions. So I'm going to stick around for a second and I got
1: to run. Right. So Sam's going to do what works best for him here with the mailbag. And then we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll say goodbye after that. No, I'm just teasing. You. All right. First mailbag question from the screen name from our message board here at Al's group moose, Jake zero zero eight. Will Jake Forrester play a major role going forward in the tournament? And how is Jeremiah Williams doing with his rehab from his shoulder, uh, with his shoulder? So a couple quick things there before I turn it over to Sam, um, if you listen to the postgame press conference on Sunday, I mean, Aaron McKee just said, you know, we need to get him back up to speed. Um, but it's a, it's a valid question because if you are going to, if you're going to, uh, if you're going to put, um, if you're going to look ahead and say, all right, Temple's going to beat Tulane in the quarterfinal round. If you have any any shot whatsoever of contending with Houston, you need some size. You need some capable bodies there that can do anything. So maybe Jake can help you. But I, Sam, we'll start with Jake Forrester first. How do you feel about anything that he can contribute moving forward?
2: I contribute. I think there's a non-zero chance he gets a couple minutes, but I don't think he plays. I wouldn't say he plays a real factor in the two lane game and whatever happens after that. Uh, I think you're really your front court's really relying on Nick Jordan uh, Parks to give you something and Sage Tolbert to give you something. Maybe Emmanuel Promo gets in, but I think those three are probably yeah. like you're really the bulk of the load goes to Nick Jordan and then Sage Tolbert and Arashi Parks also should help out. They probably play a decent amount of that small ball five lineup.
3: Javon, if we talked about this if, too. If, oh, go ahead, huh? If Jake Forrester plays against Houston, that just screams like a quick three fouls to me. Yeah. Like that's just not going to work out well for Nintendo's favor.
1: Yeah, Javon, we were sitting next to each other at the game Sunday and you kind of, I mean, I don't I want to turn this over to you here. I mean, you, you and I both felt, I mean, coming off a long layoff, you know, happy to see him back on the floor. He had talked about, I mean, I think he's since deleted the tweet, but he did say at one point he wanted to, to get away from the game, prioritize his mental health. So it was great to see him back out there. But I mean, he looked, it's fair to say he looked rusty on Sunday, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, when you're out for as long as he is, that's just natural. We, we shot around after the game. We all looked rusty for the first 10 minutes before we started making shots. That's just beautiful. Normal basketball. Shot from Javon. I appreciate effort, it, John. Effortless jump shot. I, I want I the subscribers it. to know John De is lying to us all about his Temple career. He did not go to school at Temple. John De was a Division two point guard, and, yeah. and this whole Temple thing was just some made up background. Because the shot, the shot was butter. I, I, I haven't I haven't seen him any better than <laughs> the, the shot was butter.
3: I Guarantee you, he has like bursitis right now. Like there's no way his body <laughs> has not has recovered in the last four days so.
1: no but I, I should i my my legs were sore and that's pathetic because it's not like we played actual pickup and javon as you know there's a lot more to the game than shooting and actually like to get to the line you have to create a shot draw contact analytically like, there
3: is not it all comes down
1: to shooting. oh no um sam hit a corner three sam i think wants to say hit a corner three before he rushed off to the gymnastics meet hit a corner three to which damian dunn smiled gave him a look and smiled at him right
2: uh, yes. I wasn't gonna bring it up, but
1: yes, for other people, for other people to say. The other part of the question: How is Jeremiah Williams doing with his rehab from his shoulder? So we are implying here, like Aaron McKee. I think we can all agree, right, that this is we don't know for sure, but I think it's a little bit of gamesmanship. I think we'd all be surprised if Jeremiah Williams plays again this season. We know how cautious Aaron is with injuries, and uh, we don't know if Jeremiah has already had surgery on his shoulder and if he is indeed rehabbing it. So. I couldn't. I don't. I think we'd all be lying if we said we could definitively tell you if he's already rehabbing, if he's already had surgery. Uh, I understand the question, but I think we're all kind of in agreement here, right? I'd be, be shocked if he plays on Friday or at all this weekend. It, you know, in terms of how far they advance, right?
2: Would be shocked if he plays against Tulane. If they get through Houston, I would not be shocked. Which I, I don't think they will. But if they find a way to get through Houston and make it like to the whether it's the, the championship. If they make it to the conference championship, I think there's a realistic chance. Maybe he's like, I want to be in this game.
1: If he hasn't had surgery already. I know this is probably a very obvious question, but I'll, I'll ask it. I mean, just how much do they miss him right now at both ends of the floor?
2: I mean, he's a huge, I don't think you can understate uh, how important he's been. I think they've gotten to the point where they're starting to learn to play without him at both ends of the floor. High uh, Sear Miller has, as we said earlier in the show, improved in terms of the way he can run an offense and the way he can um, kind of distribute, but he's still, you know, a year and a, a year behind where Jeremiah Williams is and he's four inches, five inches smaller than Jeremiah Williams is. Um, and, uh, you know, another a year of defensive, whatever experience. So High uh, seer has been solid for them, but Jeremiah is the lifeblood of this team at both ends of the floor. He's what the, he's what makes the offense go, and he's their go-to guy alongside Jaleel White to defend other teams' best perimeter scorers. So he's a huge loss. I think it's like, you know, even until you talked about how much of a loss Caleb was in the scoring column, I think Jeremiah is probably their best two-way player. Um, so without him healthy, it's, it's a huge loss. But Temple's learning to play without him.
3: No, mostly against Jaleel, I think it's uh-huh. a disservice to put Jeremiah and him in the same conversation with that. I think Jeremiah is the only guy on this team that you can say, go guard this guy for 38 minutes, that uh-huh. he can shut that guy down for 38 minutes.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they are missing him
3: a fair amount, to answer your Yeah, question. I would say I would, I would
2: say definitely miss him, definitely. Kind of like I, how we miss Sam Newman.
1: We do miss Sam Newman. Javon, your eyes kind of lit up there. <laughs> agree, disagree?
0: Completely different class? I think that's Yes. That's yes. strong. Yes. yes. Like you're okay. talking about
3: somebody who Jaleel, again, this is not like he was just our guest last week. Jaleel White, fourteen games ago, was struggling to find a role in the, on this team. Has come on very strong towards the end of his redshirt freshman year. He's a year behind where Jeremiah Williams is. Period. Yeah, you're projecting—not you and you—mean the, the the bigger sense. You're projecting that you hope Jaleel gets to the point where Jeremiah already is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if
2: you look at I think if you look at the plays Jeremiah Williams can make defensively, laterally he moves better than Jaleel White. He's a lot smoother. Um, but yeah, I would agree. I think like Jaleel White's a very good defender. Uh, he can defend the interior. He can defend. He can do a pretty good job defending all five positions. Or whatever we can complement him. But Jeremiah Williams, I think, is is probably the best defender on the team. Mm.
1: Um, next question here. This one came from Twitter. What mid major school has the best chance at having a Cinderella run in March Madness? What do you guys think? I have a. I mean. There's Peter. only
3: one in March Madness right now, right? So Peter Kiss is going to lead Bryant all yeah. the way. <laughs> Dallas and palace between Bryant and Wagner. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was insane. I was just expecting that to see Bobby wild. Jordan just in there swinging at people. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, St. Mary's is my pick. Uh-huh. St. Mary's giving Gonzaga... St. Mary's even
3: mid-major at this point? Like, I get that I they probably know. are, but like Gonzaga and St. Mary's aren't mid-major. Like, they're in the tournament every single year. Uh-huh. Like, I just view that program-wise as like that's not gonna be the case. But who knows?
1: That's
2: fair.
3: By that same chain, uh logic, if you're viewing Houston as a mid-major, I think Houston's a legitimate elite eight level team again. Like mm-hmm. they went to the final four last year when they're healthy, like their system translates to the tournament well.
1: True. Javon, Dante, any any thoughts on this? Again, the the, the field is far from far from complete, but if you were trying to project i mean i i'd like to scribble down like and again these teams are not in like san francisco north texas uh future american program there iona like i i don't wh- what do you think
0: you said san fran i'll raise you from the west coast conference to the mountain west and go wyoming nice
1: mm-hmm. what the heck <laughs> <laughs>
4: Still, i do i finally do basketball prep javon comes in and just takes my my pick um uh you know what i don't know i don't have anything to add that was my prep I, you want to like forget reason. that i said Wyoming and you no, take no, them no, and no, i no, find no, another fine. team because i can it's fine it's fine i don't you know i'm not gonna you know come after you like Mina kimes did on twitter you can have
3: it we're good
0: <laughs> i guess dante gets a point for that kyle
3: We're done keeping score because now it's Al Scoop versus everybody. So Al Scoop (laughs) now has five points. Everybody has zero. I love you.
1: Um, Next question, uh, back to the message board. Town Al, although nothing definite will come out until the season concludes, uh, what is your prediction on roster movement, and this is with basketball, and based on your prediction, how many open scholarships will be available? Well, I know this is what everybody's going to be thinking. This is – speculation and nothing more um my guess is and it's a guess you know maybe it's ty strickland as much as we enjoyed having him on the pod a few weeks ago i think you know uh, we'll back up here for a second so on senior day on sunday and aaron even clarified this ty strickland was honored uh sage tolbert was honored jake forrester arashima parks and who am i forgetting
0: the walk-on himself, Colin, Colin
1: Daly. Daly, Colin Daly. was. It, was there six person? Or was it just those five?
0: Just those. So, five. So they're right.
1: seniors academically. Um, I think it's very plausible to think that maybe Jake goes, Arashma goes, Ty goes, um, Quincy Adam McCoya, If you know, if he's you know and he hasn't been playing. They said he was suspended indefinitely. You know we know he can he can be a streaky shooter, but again i don't I don't profess to know what's on his mind, but I think it's plausible if we're guessing if we're taking educated guesses there that's four guys right there so um, I think the real interesting thing to keep an eye on will be Temple's gotten a lot better, and there you know are there are there sharks in the water are there people? Trying to nip it, Damian Dunn, nip it at, at Jeremiah Williams. Trying to, you know, put Fiores out there. I, I don't know, but I, I think I think Ty, Jake, Arashma, Quincy, maybe those are the the safe bets. But I don't know. What do you guys think about this one?
3: I was going to do the LeBron, not one, not two, not three. I think I think you're looking at four or five open scholarships. I think it's just the guys you mentioned. But what's interesting to me is outside of probably like a big man and maybe somebody to fill that ty strickland role you might be trying to fill some of those scholarships with guys that are like towards the end of the like they're they're depth guys but i don't think you want to recruit to a depth level so it wouldn't surprise me if maybe now with another eight months of data if they look back at this like high school class and say well maybe there is a guy that you know Mm -hmm. we don't see it right now but like we have this open scholarship now so we're willing to extend it to him another thing is uh, in about two weeks, there's going to probably be 45 job openings that a lot of these mm-hmm. kids have signed NLIs to schools that are mm-hmm. about to lose their coaches yeah. might all of a sudden now be back beyond the market. So I think Temple's going to have the ability to make some moves in that in that field.
1: You bring, I think you bring, a, a, bring up a good point when it comes to depth because if you're a fan and you just like to dream out loud and say they need this guy, they need that guy, they need this guy, they need that guy, well, they have to find the minutes for them. And if you're Aaron and the staff – one of the things you have going for you is, aside from from Quincy Adam McCoy, you've hit – you can safely say that you've hit on most of these guys, right? Even though Nick Jordan has been erratic, we talked about that, you can see the potential there. He's showing you flashes. You obviously hit on Zach Hicks. It, you can say that you hit on Heiser Miller. You hit on Jeremiah Williams. You hit on Damian Dunn. You hit on on, on Jaleel White. You hit on Kill Battle as a transfer. I mean, you, you're seeing the progress that you need to see. You obviously need a big – but you can't – I think you make a great point. You can't just go out and say, we're going to just pick pick here, pick there, and they're all going to play 30 minutes a game. You have to keep people happy because now if people aren't happy, people are going to have wandering eyes and say, well, maybe it's better. Maybe life's better here, life's better there. So, I don't know. I think it's going to be, again, a very interesting offseason for them. Dante, Javon, any, any thoughts on this one?
0: Uh, I, I was trying to be the, the defense attorney – of Ty Strickland all season long. Mm-hmm. But once High Sierra Miller came along, it's like, you know what? This isn't a team that can fit five guards on the roster. Like four right. guards, Zach Hicks, Jalil White, Nick Jordan, fill in the blanks. I think the way basketball works, I wouldn't be shocked if a Demacoya winds up going juco for a year to reinvent himself before rising back up to the D1 level of um, Rashma Park's, Basketball might be it for him. Uh Jake Forrester might be looking forward to that next chapter of life. Uh eh,
3: I mean I, I get maybe, what you're saying, but like Jake Forrester, if he like decided to transfer again, there there would be interest though. I don't think, know what I don't you know what level interest in him. I don't know what level it is, but I mean he's a six nine uh like a six nine big who's shown the ability to score at times. Like there's always gonna be a role somewhere for him. It just probably won't be a thirty-five minute a game role, right? Like imagine, imagine Jake Forrester playing at like low D one level. He's putting up points. It's like when you saw Justin Hamilton go to the MAC, and all of a sudden he's averaging a double double when he couldn't really see the floor at Temple. Like MAC
1: six man of the year now.
3: Yeah, after losing his starting job.
0: Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I think nonetheless he. Was and I that. think Sage Tolbert <laughs> takes the same route. Lower D one. Sa- I
3: think one of them has to come back.
1: I think Sage. Like, C- like H- you, ju-
3: you just mentioned three bigs that are like gone, right? that's fills a gigantic void. I think Sage Tolbert has the ability to defend three mm-hmm. positions on the court. And to the point that like, I, I think there is a role for Sage Tolbert. You, it's hard not that he is willing to play 18 minutes a game, as opposed to 30 back at the SEMO level. Mm-hmm. So I, think I, I feel like like this is kind of like what we're talking about, where like, you can't just view everyone from like a starter standpoint. Like, is that guy starting big? No, probably not. on like a team that has tournament aspirations. Is he a guy that has a role? Yes. So I think I think it would it would benefit Temple to keep like that core group of seven. Anything else at that point as far as next year is concerned, is kind of just noise.
0: Mm-hmm. Like I think I
3: think you're gonna look at this and fast forward three months from now. I think you're gonna look at it and you're gonna be like, wow, they lost five people, but m- the majority of those people are towards the end of the bench.
1: Mm-hmm. We do have a few football questions to to close things out. We got one via text from our friend Pat Egan at ninety seven five the Fanatic, who's a loyal scoop listener, celebrated his birthday earlier this week. Uh, turns out on Twitter that I guess he didn't even talk about on the show about it being his birthday. And then a bunch of people were teasing him about that on Twitter, but anyway uh his question is what position in football should fans actually get most excited about in the Stan Drayton era? So we talked about how pretty much every position battle looks open at this point. Is there a position that you guys feel fans could be excited about heading into the year, even though we're not even through spring ball yet, not even into spring ball yet
4: Dante. So I'm assuming he's means excited by good and not interesting because I get excited about positions that are like, Oh, like interesting. Um, I don't know. I think like the only position on the roster that I would describe as like good, interesting is like corner, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think you like what you see from Cameron Ruiz. And I, I think John, you said this earlier in the pod, like, you know, Keyshawn Paul and him are probably like the only two guys who are like entrenched starters on defense. um, I, I think that's like the only good, interesting position. Like the rest of them, like I think the defensive line's very interesting. I think the linebackers are interesting, running backs interesting. I think quarterbacks are really interesting. But I don't. I wouldn't describe any of those positions as like good. You know, as like I'm excited to watch them. It's more like no, I'm just interested to see what they do with it. So,
1: anybody else have any thoughts on what a, uh, what position could be good or one that fans would be most excited about?
4: I would agree I, with.
0: Doug I agree, Kyle. You good? I think running back's going to be good. I, I am talking myself into the one-two punch of Hubbard and Clement as the days go by. I truly think Drayton can get something out of those guys.
3: Mm-hmm. I'm not going to trust Iverson Clement until I see Iverson Clement on the field, yeah. is where it's at at this point. Like, Regardless of whether or not, that's fair or not. Like, He's like, I, I need to see things from him before I can buy into that. I, I was, I was giving this question the same way Dante was initially, which was like, is this... Interesting, not necessarily meaning good. I think this season in general is like look, man, you're just really hoping to like have a good vibe about it. You're hoping to like think by the end of November that they're on the right track and that you know they're they're planning things out the right way. Because I'm yeah, I don't see positions that scream to me like AAC level. I think they're fortunate in the sense that they're out of conferences relatively weak this year and they maybe have the opportunity to get some people some feet wet. But like for me, like the quarterback competition is going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to cover because it's probably going to be some guy we've never heard of that starts a game or two this year. Um, so that's what's interesting to me. Good wise, yeah, you have an above average starting cornerback duo, like Dante said.
1: I think corner could be one too, because then if you if you know that you have your starters entrenched there, like does a does a, a young guy pop to provide some depth there? Like, uh, you know, like an Andrew Garwo, a Jalen McMurray, a guy like that. Like, uh, I mean, they, they took the previous staff, took Dayon Hawkins out of, out of the Haverford school, just because he was really, really fast and a track star do do any of those guys. And I'm not, I'm not really trying to imply that the defensive back coaching was really all that bad over the, the last couple of years, but do guys like that take a step forward where you look at the head of that position and say, They've got some good quality depth there after after some guys move on. So I would agree. They need to consider starting two seniors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
4: someone's going to have to play the nickel too. Someone's going to have to be the nickel. He's probably going to be on the field sixty percent of snaps anyway. So yeah.
1: And again, is that uh, you know, is that a guy like does you know Elijah Clark is the one guy you'd say okay, he's a bigger corner. Can he you know finally be consistent? You know, we'll 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 see see how things work there. But I think corner would definitely be a position that you could maybe start to get excited about. Uh, uh, looking ahead here, uh, Mike tb 31 asks from the message board. Sorry if this was already discussed elsewhere, but has anyone asked coach Drayton about his thoughts on the possibility of an on-campus stadium? Has he ever mentioned if the board of trustees, Jason Wingard who's temple's president or Arthur Johnson, the athletic director have talked to him about it at all. It hasn't been talked about it. We've talked about this more on the uh, talked about it previously on the podcast. I don't, I don't think a new president and a new athletic director are going to come in and talk right away about putting a new stadium on campus, given the history of it. He hasn't been asked as far as I know, he hasn't been asked about it, um, but I don't imagine that's something that he would talk about in great detail. I think that, you know, if 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 he were to talk about it in generalities, I think any coach, athletic director or someone like that might say, hey, it would be great to have a really great football like vibrant football community on campus but no can't say he's been uh asked about it or talked about it in in great detail um last question here from dbla 75 kind of goes back to something we were talking about earlier uh temple currently has 16 scholarship defensive linemen on the roster seven defensive tackles and nine defensive ends for a system that now plays a three-man front is that too many at that position was your early guess at the starting three any defensive ends that could could move to linebacker Dante, before I throw this out to you and, and Kyle and Javon, I mean, I think the short answer is, a lot of this will start to come out in the wash in spring ball, especially if you're looking at, you know, uh, guys that that are ends now that could be moved to linebacker, and I think that, that could be very fluid. I think you, st- I think in the first couple of weeks of spring ball, that's when you start hearing like, oh, by the way, we moved this guy to that position, that guy to that position. But so there's a lot up in the air there. But I don't know. What what, what are your thoughts on this one? I mean, it's probably
4: too many, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it just seems like an absurd number. But like you said, like, a lot of those guys are going to be moved around. I mean, I think if you're looking at, to answer, like, who are going to be the starters, I mean, I think, I think, like, on Mahone, Darian Varner, Lancine Ture, if he's healthy, and, like, Zach Gill, I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, are probably, like, the four guys that I would pay as, four like. Four
3: very big boys.
4: Yes. Right. Like those are like probably the guys that are going to be getting the most snaps, at least early in those reps. Now, if somebody, you know, ends up surprising, someone ends up surprising, right? Like Darian Varner was like kind of a guy really flash at the end of last yeah. year. Has he carried that over? Does the new staff like him as much as the old staff? I don't know. And, and even like, again, that could go for the three guys that I just named. I mean, there are three transfers that the previous staff recruited. I, I don't know if the staff likes them or how much they like them. So uh, I'm gonna have to agree with John. I think you know you'll see a lot of this come out in the wash. You know, like Gravion Mahone's a guy who could like be that strong side end just because he's long and powerful. Like he doesn't have to be this like three tech. I, I honestly would argue he's not a three tech. So, um, you know, again, like I think we'll see some movement up front. But those are probably the four guys that I would peg as like, you know, if Zach Gill and Lansing Teray are healthy, you have to think that those guys can come in and at least be solid, you know, players up front for them
3: answer the first part of his question about whether or not that's like yeah. an appropriate allocation of their scholarships, um, no. But like, I also think that defensive line and offensive line are the two groups that you always view like every spring, like, well, three scholarships are going to shake loose from there. Because there's so many people in that room that's always like, well, somebody's going to drop out. Someone's going to transfer down to Western Carolina. Someone's going to go wherever. Like, so I think scholarships will shake loose from that over the next couple months. The name that kind of sticks out to me is like, who's going to be able to carve out a bigger role? And some would say is a make or break season for them. The Leighton Jordan experiment is yep. either going to bear fruit this year or it's going to be like this is what it is. Like he he played a significant amount last year. He played 211 snaps on defense. He's not some guy that's adjusting to the new position. Who, Keep in mind he was practicing a running back at one point, then linebacker, and now he's defensive end. He played a lot at defensive end last year to the point that I would expect him to have a good chance at, at having a
0: good season.
1: Javon, any thoughts on this one?
0: Yeah, I, I, I was going to go the transfer route, but – yeah that, that's kind of how i feel about it some spots are going to open up 16 for what and if you play a three four at most you're going to have five guys on the line uh you know what two dns a nose tackle two outside linebackers uh yeah it, that's like kyle said not a proper allocation however this is drayton's first year guys are going to drop out in the spring guys are going to drop out after next season. You know, we we know how college sports works now. Hey, think you might want to explore your options elsewhere. This, that. I want to bring in this guy. Well, that's the conversation. The coaches were more or whatever. So Mm -hmm. I wouldn't worry about it right now. Rebuilding program. There you go.
1: Yeah. Well, certainly covered a lot of ground this week. Analytics. Basketball, football.
0: Javon came in hot. Yeah, he did. Did I, did I know what I was doing? Yes. Did I think that he'd come in that hot? No. <laughs> Listen, that's the one thing that I will never have to one, up about. opinions. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
1: Well, thank you, uh, everyone, for tuning in for another episode. When we talk to you next week, we will know definitively whether or not Temple has shocked the world and won the American Athletic Conference Tournament in basketball. And uh, probably not. But hey, Stranger Things Have Happened, and uh, we'll have a, a, a little bit of audio for you from uh, from the first weekend of spring practice, so uh, we'll have more fun stuff to get into. Thanks again for listening this week. We'll talk to you soon.